Praise the Lord. It is wonderful to see each and every one of you. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated, church. Wow, what a spirit. Amen. What a presence of God. Amen. Such a amazing presence. Uh, it just, it just, I was back there for like less than five minutes and, um, and I just had to get out. I just had to back out because since it started, you could, you could hear uh, just in the other room, you could hear back there the, the level and the, uh, the amount of worship that was going on in here. And it's like, wow, this is incredible. Uh, and I hope that if you are uh, listening to us online, that you can, uh, that you are able to still feel that, amen, feel that and stay and be connected. Amen. And so we have had, we, we are having a, a visitation from the Lord. Amen. Just a wonderful visitation. Praise God. And, and he is going to be continue doing great things. Amen. He will be uh, doing great things. Amen. Hallelujah. And we even had a word of the Lord this morning. I don't know if you got to hear it in the back or you got to hear it over here. Amen. But I heard it. Amen. And I don't know if that was for you. But it was definitely for me, amen. That, that word, amen, confirmed what God has been speaking to me about, amen. And so I know that he's going to continue doing things here uh, this morning, amen. Praise God. Give him a hand praise, amen. Give him a hand clap with every level of effort that you can, amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And you can stay seated, amen. We're going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Amen. And I'd like to um, welcome. Amen. We have uh, two visitors today. We have Jasmine Garcia and Alejandro Garcia who are visiting us this morning. We welcome you today. Amen. Wherever you may be, that you can be Welcome here today, and hopefully this is not the last time that you visit us, amen. Hopefully you are having such an experience with God this morning, amen. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Praise God. Praise God. Before we start reading, just lift your hands there wherever you're at, and just... Uh, just thank him for his presence, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you because you are wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for your presence today. I pray, my Lord, that you speak through me today and that your word, my Father, fulfill its purpose, that it fall, my Lord, on the ears, on good soil, my Lord Jesus, for the glory of your name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And... Another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. 
For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And let's jump over to verse 16. It says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God or destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Amen. Praise God. And such a incredible word. Amen. There's so much that can be said from this passage. Amen. Now, the scripture here is is reminding us, right? And this passage reminds us of who we are in Christ. Amen. We are God's fellow workers. Amen. That's what it's saying. We are, we are his servants working together. Amen. It says that we are his field. A, a, a garden. Think of it of a garden, a field, a garden, or, or maybe like a vineyard, right? Where we are all together. It says that Amen. Or, or think of like a, like a June bloom where you can see the, the flowers that are lined up in a bed across the hill or that uh, uh, on, on a plain, you know. So it's such a thing of beauty. Amen. So it is comparing us to that. It's saying that we are God's field. So just as that individual flower is pretty meaningless by itself, uh, collectively with others, it creates a thing of beauty, amen? And that is the church. That is what the church is. And through inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Paul writes uh, that we are God's fellow workers, right? It says that we are his garden, that we are God's building, amen? So we are the church, we are the church, amen? Not necessarily these four walls that we see here, but the church body. We are that vineyard. We are that, uh, that uh, coming together collectively. We are that body, amen? So we are the church, amen? The Lord even goes on in, in, in John 15. He says that he is the vine and we are the branches. Amen. It makes that comparison because it wants us to know that we need to be together and not just be together, but be tied, amen, to that root, be tied, amen, to that vine, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so just as the church, we must stay connected to him. Amen. Why don't you say, I am the church. I am the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the church. Praise God. Amen. I hope that you can believe that. However, in this passage we are reading, <clears throat> it is laying a foundation, right? And, and, and representing the body as a temple, right? As a building. As a matter of fact, verse 9 says, you are God's building. That's what it's saying. And a foundation has been laid out for us. We have gone through, amen, uh, most of us at least have gone through a new birth experience, amen. 
we have been baptized, right? And hopefully you've been filled by the Holy Ghost, amen? So there's been a foundation that has been laid out for us, amen? But it says, let each one take notice how he builds on it. So whatever you put after the fact, however else you are building on it, it says take notice or take heed how you build on it. How are you building that house? How are you building that temple? The, you know, the foundation, foundation is non-negotiable. We already know what stands in the foundation or who is the foundation, amen? And we know that that is our Lord Jesus Christ, right? He is our chief cornerstone, amen? But the material, what are you adding to your life that is completing that house, your temple, amen? Remember, you are part of the church. You are part of a body. You are part, amen, of a group of people amen but individually what are you bringing to that collective body amen and there is another passage and and I use that one quite frequently as well that says that uh, it's in Matthew 7 right that says that talks about if you are building on sand or if you're building on a rock amen and how are you building and what are you building amen you can have different people, two set of people that are listening to the same exact message, but they are building differently. They are taking that information and building differently. Amen. And that passage is there for a reason, right? Many choose to build on weak foundations and using weak material, but there are few that build on the rock with strong resources. Amen. And so I'm here to encourage you today to have a moment of reflection and see what you are building your house out of. What are you putting in your house? How are you developing? How are you growing? Amen. That house ultimately for the collective body. Now, it's nice to be called the body of Christ. Right? It's nice to be called the church. It's, it's a nice label. It's nice to be called the temple of God. Isn't it nice? Would you say amen to that? When somebody looks at you and says, you are the temple of God, you say, yes, absolutely, amen. And, and it's, it's great. It's awesome. It's like you, it's the satisfactory feeling inside of you that you are the body of Christ, right? Look at your neighbor again and say, you are the temple of God. And think about it. You are the temple of God. Such a statement, such a term that is given to you and to me comes with a great deal of responsibility. A temple is made for there to be worship inside of it. In a temple, there is prayer. So that is a great deal of accountability and obligation on you and to me. You don't just take that lightly and say, thank you, yes, I am the temple of God, amen. But yes, my body is the temple of God. And you don't carry that necessarily with a chip on your shoulders, 
And you go on with your merry lives, amen? No, as the temple of God, we have that responsibility to have a life of prayer. We have the responsibility to have a life of worship. We have the responsibility, amen, collectively and individually. You have the responsibility to the body. To the body to live a righteous life, amen, of prayer and praise and thanksgiving and honor and glory. And your actions should reflect the actions of a man and a woman of God, amen. Temples were not just built for show. I mean, they kind of did. They, were, they had grandeur and they were big, amen. But they weren't just there to house artifacts or to house, amen, religious uh, rituals, amen. They were there for a relationship. And so you and I have a great obligation, amen, to our God. And as the temple and the Holy Ghost living in us, we must have a life full of prayer. I'll repeat it again. And we have to have a life full of fasting, amen, a life of communion with God, because that is what the temple was created for, amen, that is why God lives inside of you and me, amen, and that is a great deal of accountability for us. Someone said one time, with great power comes great responsibility, but I... I'm pretty certain that Mr. Lee there was reading something out of this book because you know what? We have a great responsibility to our God, amen. You have a responsibility to the body, amen. You cannot work against the body, amen. You do not want to be the weakest link in the body, amen. You need to serve him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and all of your strength, amen. Unfortunately, though, sometimes the church is notorious for hurt amongst the body, for offenses amongst the body, for conflict, and many, many other actions against ourselves. And our lack of a life of prayer, our lack of a relationship with God will absolutely lead us to moments of discord, uh, instances of strife, and uh, perhaps frequent cause of offenses against our brothers and our sisters, against the body, against the church. So I ask you once again, what kind of temple are you? Is it Holy Ghost filled? Is it overflowing with oil? Is it overflowing with anointing? Is it overflowing with praises? Is it filled with prayer? Does God enjoy dwelling in your house? The enemy of our lives, our adversary is anxious to whisper into our ear for a word of deception, a word of discord, a word and an attitude of conflict that is not spirit-led. 
Your adversary wants to speak into your mind and bring dysfunction and bring a, a, a self-righteousness to bring, amen, things that are wicked into the body. And if we live a life without a relationship with God, we will be instruments of evil. We will be vessels easily used by Satan for the purpose of accomplishing his will. So we must be very careful what is going on with this temple because we will end up being a vessel, amen, we won't end up being a vessel for God. We will end up being a vessel for our adversary. And I'm going to share with you a few examples of that. And rest assured, if it happened to people, to men and women in the scriptures, it can happen to you and I. We are not the exception here. I am not the exception. Let's go to 1 Kings 22. 1 Kings 22, we'll start in verse 3. I like reading a lot of passages, and this is also one of my favorites. So we're going to read quite a bit. But don't worry, I put it in the beginning, so as we go through other examples, we'll read less and less. First Kings 22 verse 3 says, And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth in Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, will you, go to, will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Before we continue reading here, let me give you a little bit of, of uh, background as to what is happening. So we have the king of Israel, and then we have the king of Judah. So they're, they're friends, right? And the king of Israel, I don't know, he decides, he wakes up one day, and he feels like going to war. He sees a land, he says, that's actually ours. Let's go and take it. And he just, one day, he's just, I'm going to make war with these people, with the Syrians. And it happened to be that the king of Judah was visiting him. And he said, and so he asked the king of Judah, will you go to war with me and go and defeat the Syrians? So that is what is happening here. That is the background. So verse 5 says, also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. About 400 men and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth, Ramoth Gilead to fight or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, 
I'm, I'm going to just give you the answer. I'm going to tell you. These were false prophets. These were not prophets that were connected with God. They were not, amen, prophets of God. They were false prophets. Yet they are here advising the leader. They are here advising the king. Oh, yes, you can go. Go up and make war and you are going to take the victory. And I'm sure that they were saying it with a ver with conviction in their, in their voice, with a certainty, amen, in their voice that they, that they should go, that he should go up there and make war and that the Lord was with them, that he may, amen, uh, that he was going to uh, give them victory. Verse 7. And Jehoshaphat said, it just something didn't seem right to him. And he says, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Thank God for those people that still inquire on the Lord. Amen. There was still something in his heart, there was still something in his mind that said, you know what? I just still feel that we need a check with the man of God. We need to go to the man of God and ask counsel. Should we be doing this? Yes or no? And I thank the Lord for men and women like that. Amen. Because too many people are flying out of their seats doing this and that and asking for counsel in the wrong places with their friends, with people that are going to tell them what they want to hear and they don't truly ask for counsel in the right places. And we need to be men and women, amen. We are part of the body. Our actions should embellish the body of Christ. What we do, amen, should be good for the body, should be good for the church, should be good for our relationship with God, amen. It is a common saying that says, don't do good things that are bad and don't do bad things that are good, amen. So always inquire on the Lord, amen. Verse 8 says, so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. We're going to jump down to verse 12. It says, And all the prophets were prophesying, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. I mean, they are just reinforcing their word they're trying to encourage the king they're trying to make their word valid and really their position valid amen and so we have in verse 13 the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying okay he goes to get the man of God and as he's bringing him he's like okay hold on he says now listen the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. 
And Micaiah said, or Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Amen. I thank the Lord for a pastor who speaks the word of God. I thank the Lord for a pastor, amen, who is not concerned with tickling my funny, amen, with saying the things that I want to hear, but he delivers the word of God as it is instructed to him, amen. If you need to listen to that preaching from Friday, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It is a good preaching. It is the word of God. Amen. And it will be a blessing to your life. Amen. And I thank the Lord that I have a pastor that preaches it how it is. Amen. And is not afraid. Amen. Is not afraid to deliver the word of God. Verse 15. This word starts getting good. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? And he answered him, Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. I don't know. I think the sarcasm there was just so thick, you could probably just cut it. Verse 16 says, so the king said to, sin, said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So the king knew that he wasn't, he wasn't being honest. Then he said, verse 17, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd and the Lord said these have no master let each return to his house in peace and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil <clears throat> then Micaiah said therefore hear the word of the Lord pay attention now it says hear the word of the Lord I saw the Lord sitting in his throne and all the host of heaven standing by. All the host, all the angels, all the creation on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab? That's the king of Israel. Who will persuade Ahab to go up? That he may fall at Ramoth Gilead. So one spoke in this manner. And the other spoke in that manner. Verse 21. Then a spirit came forward. And stood before the Lord and said. I will persuade him. Verse 22 says. The Lord said to him. In what way? So he said. I will go out and be a, living, a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours. And the Lord has declared disaster on you. 
brothers and sisters, we have a clear illustration, amen, of what happens when you or when I allow ourselves to be a vessel for the wicked. When we allow ourselves, amen, to be used by the enemy, amen. And that's why I tell you, our lives need to be consistently connected with God. Our lives need to be connected, amen, in relationship with God. Yes, we are doing a great fast right now. We're doing a great thing, amen. But that needs to be one pillar. And then we need to have a pillar of prayer in our lives, amen. Our homes need to have an altar where we seek God every single day, amen. Because the body depends on it. You are part of the body of Christ. And the body depends on it. Amen. We need to seek God with everything that we have. So that we are not used. Amen. By the enemy. By our adversary. To damage and hurt the body. And just as this lying spirit, just as this deceiving spirit worked through those prophets bringing a word that was incorrect. Someone can bring a word to us that's an offense, that's hurtful, that is a lying spirit, that is deceiving that can be so many things, but we can't control other people. We can only work on ourselves. And so we need to make sure that we are connected with our God every day. I don't want to be used by a deceiving spirit. I don't want to be used by a spirit that's going to cause discord. That's going to bring recklessness to the body of Christ. That is going to be damaging to the body of Christ. I don't want to be speaking out against my pastor. I don't want to be speaking out against the leadership in the church. I don't want to be speaking out against the ministries. Amen. But if we're careless, we will. If we are careless, we're going to be just like these prophets. Now, it's easy to read this and say, how could they? What were they thinking? But there's been many situations in the church where you ask the same thing. How could this happen? How could that happen? How could this have been said? How could that have been done? It's the work of our adversary. Working through willing vessels, unfortunately. But you and I need to be a willing vessel for the almighty God. We need to be a willing vessel for the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. We need to be a vessel for the one that can transform lives. The one that can change the lives that are out there. The one that can restore the broken hearted. Amen. Let's go to the book of Job. Job chapter 2 verse 3. Job chapter 2 verse 3 says, Then the Lord said to Satan, 
Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and he still holds fast his integrity? Say, hold fast his integrity. Amen. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without a cause. Verse 4, so Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and flesh, and he will surely curse you to his face, to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with a painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Verse 9. Then his wife said to him, what does his wife say to him? Do you still hold your integrity? Was it a, just because that she used the same exact word that the Lord and Satan were talking about? How was it that she used the same exact word? She was whispered into her ear. She heard the word, the voice of Satan, and that is what she used. And I dare say it, a temple that was not consecrated to the Lord. She used the same words. So don't put yourself in a position where you will be used by Satan. Let your temple be filled with prayer. Let your temple be filled with praises to the king. Let it be filled with thanksgiving. Amen. Let your flesh die at the altar every single day. Let yourself be counseled by the most high God, amen, that has infinite wisdom, that he can give a spirit of discernment, amen. When you connect with him, the brother is saying, when you give him that first hour of the day, every, every morning, you need to die at that altar. You need to put your flesh on the altar because you need to navigate through your day with the appropriate wisdom, with the appropriate discernment in your life. A lack of communion with God can produce, you know, a spirit of, of unhappiness, of complaint, of, of judgment, of insurgency, even among the body. And unfortunately, sometimes the body of Christ has to deal with that. We have to deal with parts, with members, amen, that are just yapping and yapping or they're you know gossiping and gossiping or, or just saying things that are not uh, 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 moving that are not pleasant to the body of Christ amen that there there is no benefit they're just unhappy with any and every outcome 
If we put somebody in the food service, they're unhappy about it. If there is no food service, they're unhappy about it. If we do this, they're unhappy about it. Oh, we installed the wrong light. I don't know. We put the wrong color of this or that. There's just complaints and complaints and yapping and yapping here and there. And then when it starts getting into the spiritual, it starts being a big, big problem. I'm going to give you one more example. 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel 10. Verse 27. 1 Samuel 10, 27. Now I'm going to give you a background here. I'm going to try to be quick. So... We have the people of Israel who were delivered out of Egypt by the mighty hand of God. You all know the story. They came out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, they were in the wilderness for 40 years, and they made it to Canaan. They conquered Jericho, and they came. And so throughout this lifespan, throughout this living of generations, it was the hand of God that had protected them, that had delivered them, that made many miracles, not just during that part of their life coming out of Egypt and going through the wilderness and going through the Red Sea. But in many other times after that, when the people of God were walking in accordance to their commands, they were walking, amen, according to the will of God. The Lord was always Always delivering them from the hands of their enemies. From the hands of their adversary. And they saw this over and over. Over and over. Miracle after miracle. And I'll say it again. Miracle after miracle in their lives. They saw the hand of God. And the interesting thing that they did not understand. Is that they They didn't comprehend that the hand of God is so much greater, is so much stronger than any arm of man could ever be. The hand of God is far more miraculous. It is not limited. It operates in the impossible. It operates when there's no more pathway, when there is nothing else that can possibly save you. The hand of God is there miraculously uh, delivering you. And they forgot about that. And so what did they do? They start looking at their neighboring nations. They start seeing at the people over here. They start seeing at the people over there. I don't know. I guess the grass looked greener on the other side. And what did they say? They have a king. We need a king also. And so they start saying to the, to the prophet, hey, give us a king. 
hey, give us a king. Hey, we need a king. We need somebody that will go before us. We need somebody that will go and fight for us. We need somebody to protect us. We need somebody that will do what the other kings do for their nations. They forgot that their God was their only provider, that their God was a strong God, that there was a God in Israel that could do the impossible. They forgot about that. So fine. We finally get to this passage here where the prophet says, I have a king for you. And it was not just any man. You read this passage. You read in Samuel chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Great story. Saul was chosen to be king over Israel. And he was not just any man. The word of God says that from his shoulders to his head, he was above any other man. He was a tall guy. He was robust. He was big. He was someone that was fit to be a king. He was not someone that you looked down when you were speaking to or that you looked at eye level. You were talking to him like this. So you were treating, he was going to be treated like a king. And so finally, at the request of the people, Samuel brings a king. And in the coronation, he starts going through everything that was going to happen. And, and I could talk for an hour here on this whole premise, on this whole needing of a king. But we're going to move on. Amen. So verse 27. 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 27 says. And this is at the coronation. But some rebels said. How can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his, his peace or he kept silence. Now, just one verse here that I'm reading. I gave you a large backstory. Why? Because there are people that will never be happy. There are people here that were asking for a king. And they were annoying the prophet saying give us a king. And they were being adamant to give us a king. And once a king was given to them, they were like, mm, I don't know. And it says that they despised him. They didn't just say, oh, he's probably not fit. No, they despised him. Amen. And it says that they brought him no gifts. Amen. And so these were individuals and it calls them rebels. It says these are individuals that were used by the adversary to start sowing discord and to start sowing, amen, shaft against the wheat. Amen. And they were not fit to be part of the body. But yet he still embraced them. He still kept his peace and he says, I'm still going to lead you. Amen. And unfortunately, this attitude comes far too many times within the body of Christ. And so I remind you again, you are the temple of God. You are the church. You are individually, amen, the church. You need to stand together, amen. We need to be in one mind. We need to be in one accord, amen. 
And you don't just accomplish that just by saying it. You don't just say, oh yeah, we want to be in one accord. And then it just magically happens. It doesn't because we're still in this flesh that doesn't allow us. It doesn't want us to connect. It doesn't want to be nice. It doesn't want to be fruitful. Amen. But that's why we sacrifice it in the altar every day. That's why we seek God every day. That's why we serve him every day because we need to be connected to the source. Amen. We need to be part of the body of Christ. Amen. Don't be a tool for the enemy. I dare say it like that. Don't be someone that is used by the adversary. Your communion with God needs to be a daily thing. It has to be a daily thing. I don't know if you've ever had an encounter with someone and then just out of left field, some, they say something crazy that just starts to want to, you know, infuriate you or, or bring out that, that, those feelings inside of you. It could be the work of the enemy just trying to cause you to sin, trying to cause you to be that stumbling block. We need to be conscious and aware of what we are doing. I'll give you one last, one last example here. Again, I told you if, if it happened to them and we're not careful, it can happen to us. Matthew 16. Good old Peter. You guys know the story. Matthew 16, 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. He's compassionate. What can you say? He loved his master. But Jesus was too smart for him. He was too smart. And he says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, or you are a stumbling block to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. The Lord read right through that. And he says, no, 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 no. Something's wrong here. You are being used by Satan in this moment. And he rebuked them in that moment. And he said, get behind me. Get thee behind me, Satan. And so we, our discernment needs to be active in such a way that we can see these things coming from a mile away. And that's why also, 
our lives need to be filled with that connection to God that we can see and not necessarily say, oh, I hate you, my brother. I hate you, my sister. You're no longer my friend. I'm not hanging out with you anymore. But just say, I see what's happening here. I see where this attack is coming from. I see where this offense is coming from. And it is not going to take me down. It is not going to fulfill what its purpose is. I'm going to rebuke the will of Satan today, amen, that it comes to naught, amen. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, amen. So you are more than capable. You are more than able, amen. And church... You cannot allow yourself to be whispered into your ear because it will be attempted. It will be attempted. And if you're not careful, it will happen. You are a vessel for good. Let me tell you that. You are a vessel for good. You have been separated. You are a vessel, amen. You are part of the body. You are like that bed, that garden, those roses that the Lord has for himself. You are part of the body. You are to be a vessel for good. You are the temple of God. Fill it with prayer. Fill it with praise. Fill it with worship. Amen. Fill it with the word of God. Amen. David said, in my heart I have hid thy word. Or thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. You put this word in your heart and you're not going to sin against your God. And church, sometimes... We need to go on the offense and show the devil, amen, that you're not just a sitting duck there waiting for him to come and talk to you, amen, but that you are bringing the fight to him, that you are taking the fight to the streets, you are taking the fight to the body that is not in order, you are taking the fight to the people that need Jesus, you are taking the fight to those broken marriages, you are taking this word, amen, Amen. to the lives that need him to the brokenhearted to the sick amen because he is able amen to fulfill a miracle in those places amen and so as Jesus was was talking amen to his disciples there just a few verses before that when they had the revelation of who he was and he says to them he said, he said, the gates of hell or the gates of Hades shall not prevail against the church. He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And so I just want to take a last moment here and remind you of that. I've been saying, I've been telling you. To care for the temple, to care for who you are, to care for the part of the body that you make up. But I also want to encourage you, amen, that 
Hell will not be able to prosper against you. Hell will not be able to prevail against you. Amen. So maybe you're going to say, well, I've already done this. I've already done that. Come to the altar, amen, and get right with God, amen, and say, Lord, I am going to be a vessel for you from here on forward. I am going to have a different mindset. I am going to fulfill the will of God in my life, amen. And it's interesting that the word says the gates of hell, gates don't move, gates are stationary gates are there gates are used to protect a house they're used to protect a city they're used to protect a, a, a fortress amen so they're more of a defensive uh, tool or a defensive mechanism amen and it says that they will not prevail against the church. So if they're stationary, if they're just there, that means that we have the green light to go against the enemy. That you and I have the ability, have the backup behind us to go and the offense and attack that gate, attack hell, to go into the midst of the city, into the midst of the streets and say, the Lord is King of kings and Lord of lords. And we need to get rid of that victim mentality and say, I am a victor in Christ, amen. Because he tells me, his word says that hell will not prevail against the church. So we go full steam ahead, Full steam ahead, amen, with the backup of the Almighty, amen. Let's be on our feet. We've had a visitation of the Lord. I, 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 if it would be foolish for me to not acknowledge, or foolish for anyone to not acknowledge that the Lord's presence has been thick this morning here in this place. It's, it is D-Day. We need to make a decision. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the gods of your fathers, the Baals? Or are you going to serve the Lord? He does not want you to be anywhere in the middle. Nowhere near the fence. No sitting on fences. Let your yes be yes or your no be no. We have a monumental task before us. We have a big challenge ahead of us. And it requires that the body be together. It requires a body that is not killing each other, that is not offending each other, that is not wreaking havoc within the body itself. We need to come to Christ and say, I will be a vessel for good. Take a moment, speak to the Lord, find out where your place is, and get working. The Lord is with us.